Well, if you are new around here uh, and you don't know me, my name's Tom, and I happen to be the pastor here at the Fellowship, and with me is Jenny, my lovely bride, who's sharing the stage with me for the second time in a year. <laughs> don't get too excited, she does this stuff other places, but um, <laughs> what? If you are a fellowship, or if you follow me on Facebook, or if you get our prayer chain email, you know that... Uh, I sent out an email yesterday, kind of making an announcement that we're tinkering a little bit with today when it comes to Mother's Day, uh, and actually only really affects two minutes of it, because we generally, and this has kind of exposed a little bit of how I plan things here for Sunday mornings, when it comes to secular holidays, we don't necessarily do a lot with that uh, when it comes to like the message time at the church. Like we only get 52 Sundays a year, and I just want to make sure it's the spirit leading in at the state of the hallmark, you know what I mean? And so... But at the same standpoint, I know in the scripture it tells us to honor those who deserve honor. And so when we have Veterans Day, we do usually have a video, we have a moment and, and different things. And the same is true on Mother's Day. For all the moms in the house, love you. That God's put you in a, a position for, for right now, he's using you. But at the same standpoint, we do want to launch it bigger because all the ladies in our house are being used by God. All the ladies in our house need celebrated as well. So uh, we're doing a, a little, little bit of both as we get into today. And Again, sometimes like the, the, the holiday, the, it seems like the Spirit's <clears throat> launching off of that into the talk. Sometimes the talk or the study has nothing to do with the holiday whatsoever. But it's just got to be Spirit-led. So that's kind of what we're working on. I know that's been a, a big thing on your heart as well. Yes, it is. That's how I throw it to you. Thanks. See that segue? Appreciate it. Yeah. All right. I'm a pro. I'm not. Okay. <laughs> um, no, we, we wanted to talk about some of those things because a Mother's Day, a Father's Day, um, baby showers, Valentine's Days, wedding parties, all of those things, they are tender and they, they can hurt some people pretty deeply without meaning to. They are awesome chances to celebrate those points in our lives, um, but it, it hurts. I mean, I, I go to parties with the family or whatnot and you suck it up and you put on your smiley face and you're sitting there thinking, okay, when's my time coming? Or, or God, what do you have in store for me? Because I sure am not feeling it right now. Um, but we have a lot of people in our church um, that are just not there yet. We have people who, and not necessarily in our church, but you know, your daughter might be in prison or you know, a divorce or we're th going through infertility treatments and um, just whatever the situation, there are all sorts of little angles to that. And so we want to be sensitive to that, and we want to open up your eyes and your hearts to be sensitive to that as well. Celebrate by all means, your moms, your family, your kids, you know, celebrate that, but also be sensitive to those around you because, you know, you try to be strong and you try to put up that good front of, hey, and it's not there. But then um, I think if you read the Facebook post that I put out this week, um, you know, our church that I used to go to every Sunday, okay, if you're a mom, stand up, let's applaud all the moms. And you're kind of in that situation of slinking down and hoping that nobody will notice that you're not standing up with everybody else, um, whether you're married or maybe you just haven't met the right guy yet or, you know, whatever the situation is. Um, and then even I remember one Mother's Day, like, we were so close. We had all of our paperwork turned in for the adoption and everything was, like, ready to go, but we didn't have a kid yet, okay? So I'm kind of a mom, but I'm not really a mom. And... Like I was even, I felt really uncomfortable even going to the store and shopping for kids' clothes because I don't have a kid. Like what, what makes me right to be in here shopping for a kid's clothes? So those were just awkward. And, and honestly, I volunteered in the nursery every Sunday that I could when Mother's Day rolled around so that I didn't have to be in that uncomfortable position and didn't have to answer people or talk to them and, and all of that. So I just, I want to put that out there that my heart is so broken for you guys and I'm feeling it still. Um, those pains still come back when those holidays and those special events come around. So if you need someone to talk to, if you need a shoulder to cry on, <laughs> I've been there. So. so with all that, if you're a lady, stand up. If you're a lady, stand up. I'm watching all of you. Go for you're, it. Go for it. Go for it. God's using you. You're God's daughter and you are awesome. So thank you. Okay. Now sit down. I don't want to do too much. And I do want to honor my moms here today, and I want to honor my parents because they mean so much. I want to honor my wife because she loves me so much that she bought an extra bottle of water in case I get thirsty too. I'll share. You don't like sharing. Anyways. But listen. Gary again, will. Look, Gary's got one. <laughs> but Gary's got me hooked up. We're close. Uh, and guys, if you're upset because you didn't get honored, come back next month. Okay. 
with all that, I don't think that's what uh, um, where the Spirit's leading us today. For the last couple of weeks, um, as far as our study, and it's kind of on it, it's kind of on the outskirts, and it kind of mingles in, and you'll see that. But I want to talk to you today about adoption. Um, I want to talk to you about uh, both the physical adoption, because I, I truly believe God has created adoption um, as a way to reflect himself and his love for us. And then I want to talk to you also about adoption from a spiritual sense and uh, how God has adopted each of us. So this is one of those talks that applies to all of us. And what I want to start with is to share with you all our stories, um, and not necessarily just because we want you all to come to our house and watch our slideshow of our vacation type thing, but if you can kind of see it from Exciting. someone who's been, been on the, the, this end of things, I think you understand how God sees us a little differently. And, and I say that because we're the adoptees, not the adoptees. Did, uh, ourselves as far as from the, the physical realm. And so uh, I'm going to start and I'm going to talk about my son Ryan. Oh, <laughs> he's so happy he came today. I told you I'd pick on you if you, anyways. Uh, hey Ryan, anybody can see you. Can you stand up and wave? <laughs> he's a good man. He's like, I hate you, father, but you're a good man. Um, my journey into adoption started kind of with some of the things that Danny was talking about. It was about, uh, well, I was before this, but, but I, I'm not able to have physical children. And I'm at a place in my life because of what God's done in our lives that I am more than fine with that. I, I remember being devastated by it at first, and I remember going through some of the things that Jenny uh, was talking about. But um, to know that my children have chosen me and I've chosen my children uh, reflects so much of God. It means so much to me, it's just, it's just over the top. So uh, let me talk to you a little bit about how I and, and uh, I became father and son. So I'm going to talk to you. I've got pictures. <laughs> yeah, love you. I'll put them up yet, but I've got pictures. Uh, when I first saw Ryan, it wasn't when I first met him. I met Ryan, he was about seven, six, seven months old. It was uh, summer of 1992. Uh, it was not the first time I, I, I saw him. Uh, I was working at a place, I was working two jobs. One, a, a co-source insurance. Uh, during the day and then night, I was selling suits at SK Menswear. And at the insurance company, and I can babble about this a lot, bit, and I can get emotional, so I'm going to look up my notes. So I'll get all over the place. Um, but there was, there was a, a new girl working at the insurance company. There's about 100 people there normally. And I hadn't met her yet or anything, but I was out doing my rounds and whatnot. And I came around the corner, and the cubicle of the new girl was there. And uh, she wasn't there, but I found out very quickly she liked pictures and she loved her kid, she loved her baby. And so there's all these pictures of this baby on, on the, the desk. So that's the first time I saw Ryan. And the first picture I saw is the one we're going to put up now. <laughs> is there a collective? Is it? <laughs> oh. Now, first time I saw my son, I wish that was my response. My first response was, that's a chubby baby. <laughs> it really was the first time. Now, he's sitting in the back going, Haha, I, I got skinny. You're a chubby dad, right? But... <laughs> That was, that was my first time I saw him. Then, then I, I met his mom, and we, we were interested in each other. We weren't dating yet, but she um, decided to show up at my S&K job one night to, uh, with a friend and some cookies and with Ryan to, to say hi. And so she said, do so you want to hold the baby? And I said, sure. Now, if you know anything about me, when it comes to other people's kids, I'm just honest about this, I kind of have to get some pre-game getting ready for other people's kids. I've never done really well with kids. Oh, great with youth. Nothing personal to Lanza. But like if I'm game night, I kind of give myself up for that, and then I do great. But if you show up at my house and the kids start running around, I'm nervous, right? So I'm holding this baby, and I didn't feel nervous, and which is not necessarily anything that I had ever felt with my nieces and nephews who mean the world to me. But so I'm holding Ryan, and we're talking, and within 30 seconds, still love you, son, he starts drooling on my charcoal gray suit at work. And Angie's like, oh, no. She's like grabbing out her rags and stuff, because you know that big pack that you get. She's cleaning everything up. And I was like, no, don't worry about it. It's fine. And it was the first time in my life I ever felt that way. And so I just, I don't know. It wasn't something that made clicked with me, but I've always carried that, that there was just something special about Ryan. And so um, we, we started dating. We were together for a while. He started getting older. We'll give you the next picture here. He had the most awesome hair. Um, <laughs> still miss that hair. He's wearing my Raiders hat. Um, and I, I, was, I dated his mom for about two years, and we were married for three years. And um, it, it was an awesome time when you can be, uh, that we could be together 24-7. And uh, taking in, I, I think my favorite thing, I told Steve Isler this one time, is uh, when he'd wake up in the middle of the night with a bad dream, 
calming him back down was one of my favorite things. And not to the point that I would show him horror movies and then put him to bed. <laughs> but, but I just, it, it was, it was a, a, a good time of be, being together. Now, unfortunately, things did, uh, didn't work out. And uh, we became two bachelors. So we'll go to the next picture. Two bachelors with Eeyore. Okay. Um, and I, I think some of the biggest memory stand out to me uh, was PlayStation. was a big thing for us. Uh, the first weekend. Uh, and I'll be honest with you. Cause it, it, it's very hard to go from a full-time dad to a weekend dad. Uh, especially when it's not what you want. You know? And, and uh, the first weekend I was like, gosh, I don't know what we're going to do. So we went to Moose Road and we picked up a used PlayStation and Crash Bandicoot and Spyro the Dragon. And with my five-year-old, we stayed up that Saturday night to 2 a.m. Uh, eating pizza and playing PlayStation. And we kept eating pizza because I didn't know how to cook. And my son now doesn't like pizza as much as I do because he got blown out. But we had those years that we were together. Um, during those years, I started uh, dating a little bit again. And you're very cautious to introduce your child to anyone that you're dating. At least I was. Uh, that you don't want someone in their life and then it falls apart or something of that nature. So it was, I don't know, probably a, a, a year or so before uh, there was one young lady I was dating for a while and it had been several months and uh, so I introduced the two of them and they just didn't uh, click. You know, it really wasn't like a bond there. So you're trying to work out like how do I get those two you know, maybe a little bit closer together. And then uh, one day she uh, was talking to me. She said, well, um, if you're okay with this, because this, this is kind of a cool thing. When, I, when Angie and I split, I had not legally adopted Ryan at that point. That there were some situations with his biological uh, father that we didn't want to, to mess with. So I was kind of afraid of whether or not she was going to let me still be in his life. Uh, just so, like, you know, she has starts a new life or whatever. So we got the visitation. I would have him every other week uh, in writing to have some kind of protection uh, in that. And thankfully, I was very blessed that uh, she did not want to sever that, that she knew that Ryan and I had chosen each other and that we were father and son. So I actually got him every weekend for most of his life, uh, from Saturday at 7 to Sunday at 7, and, uh, which was a, was a huge, huge blessing. But this young lady I was dating said one day, you know, it, it seems like Ryan's around a lot, and we don't get a lot of personal time together. Is it possible for you to talk to her about going to every other weekend? So I dumped her, and we moved on. Uh, <laughs> honest to God, if you're not with my kids, you're not with me. And um, so I just kind of kept on moving along in life as two bachelors. And uh, we got to the point that we came, I, uh, that the prospect of uh, visit a church that a buddy pastored at and met somebody. And uh, so she started pursuing me and chasing me. <laughs> got through the restraining, yeah, I know. Uh, Scott, we got the same part. Restraining orders, it was a mess. But you kind of give up after a while. And um, there was a real connection between Ryan and Jenny. It wasn't like just immediate, quick. I remember one time, because uh, it's hard to go for two bachelors to two bachelors and a girl in a pizza shop. What is that like a show now? <laughs> two guys okay, and a girl. that's a show for Ginger. But um, like I remember going to McKinley Park over here, and Mike had talked himself every three minutes because he wanted Dad's attention, type thing. And we worked through that, but it got to the point that when I was not able to be there for a weekend, I remember one time I was out of town. It wasn't like he stayed home with Mom. He came up and hang out with Jen Jen, or they would go camping together and do things together. So, but we got to this next pick of the wedding day. Um, <laughs> I, want to know, I want to know which one you are. Was it the kid? Was it her? Was it me? But uh, that was sometime in 2000, and September 30th, 2000. And I was a big part of um, our wedding because he was a huge part of our life and, and, uh, as our, our son. So uh, we were very, very blessed with that relationship and that continuation of the family. Uh, my, my son is one who, if he likes something, he does it extremely well. Uh, if he doesn't like something, he could kill us. Uh, I think a big thing that we noticed at first was uh, soccer. He played soccer for, I don't know how long he played soccer, like four or five years? Yeah. Like, <laughs> how, how many? <laughs> ten? ten? He didn't play ten. You guys done? Was that funny to you? Is that great? I'm hooked. Uh, he was a great defensive man. He liked playing offense. He was a great defensive man. Played that for a long time. And then uh, from there, the next big thing I remember, slap this up too, is uh, skateboarding. He got very big on skateboarding. Got very good at skateboarding. How many boards did you break? Any idea? What's that? How many ended up on the wall? About all of them? Hey, you put the broken ones up. 
<laughs> Dad's buying another. But he would buy his own stuff too. He got very good at skateboarding. I was pretty, pretty impressed with his skills. Uh, by the time that we moved out of skateboarding, we moved into auto mechanics. Uh, his last year of uh, high school, he went to trade school and did very, very well there. Uh, graduated pretty high up in class and got an award at graduation. And still kind of debating if that's what he wants to do for a hobby the rest of his life or if that's what he wants to do for his career. So we're still kind of seeing those things out. But, um, and then he got older and now he has a girlfriend and his own life going on. That's Alexis. You know, uh, some of you guys have met, she's been here uh, before. From my understanding, there's a little oversleeping today, so she's not here today. But um, she's been in his life for how long, son? I'm not even going to guess. Year and a half? Two and a half years. That's why I don't guess. Everything <laughs> else I overshoot. For some reason, I'm trying to keep him young. I keep minimizing. Um, and and we're, we're at, a, at a place where it, it's, uh, you know, it's odd to hear somebody say, hey, Dad, and you, you turn around expecting your 12-year-old, and you've got this 21-year-old mechanic guy standing there, but um, I'm very proud of him, and I'm very blessed by him, and uh, I, there's a lot of, lot of reasons for that, and, and, um, but I w would say, if I'm going to be very honest with you guys, and I really prayed over this, to be honest with you guys on this, is uh, he honors me, and that means a lot to me, because I know what my parents mean to me, and, and uh, through adoption, if, if I text him, love you, he texts back, love you, with an explanation point. If we're going to see each other, he's looking forward to it. Uh, that's pretty special for a 21-year-old kid, you know, and uh, he means the world to me. And I, I think the biggest example of that just recently, uh, and to just kind of tell you about the power of adoption, I'm going to come back to this a couple times over, is uh, last year, the end of the year, my sister, who used to work in children's services, uh, sent me an email saying, hey, I know you guys never legally adopted, but have you considered now that Ryan's an adult, that he, he can make his own decisions on that? And I think I talked to you guys about this a little bit. But uh, so when we talked about it, I was trying to be very sensitive just saying to him, I, I don't want you to do this for, for, for me, but this, this is an idea that Pam threw out. If, if you think about it, you pray about it. If it ever comes up, you let me know. I'm never going to bring it up again. But you, you just let me know if that time comes. He goes, I want that. I was like, well, no, no, I don't want you doing this for me or anything. I was like, no, I want that. I, I, that that's something I want. And uh, so as of January 2nd, the legal adoption uh, was approved and was complete. And so the legal part is there as well. And um, to be fully honest with you, here's what the legal adoption means. One, uh, if I die, his inheritance goes much smoother. Uh, if I'm dead fully in the hospital and only family can come and see me, I don't have to beat up the nurse to do it. The law says she, he can. Outside of that, nothing changed except for my boy wanted it. So, not all of us are, are, are made to have children. Not all of us are made for biological children or adopted children. But he's my blessing. He's one of my two blessings. And uh, it taught me a lot about how God sees me because of how I see my son. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to... Thank you. I'm just going to put this out here that I don't know how he does this because when I look down, it looks like I have a giant booger on my nose. <laughs> just this thing. <laughs> So, I do. <laughs> and I feel like a three-year-old sitting up here because these stools are so huge. So, just putting it out there, you know. Um, from my perspective, I, you know how, like, as a, a kid, you kind of daydream and think about what your life is going to be like when you're older. And I know some people dream about, this is what my wedding's going to be like, and you put this whole little album or whatever together. I never did that, but... I, I always had in my head, like, someday I'll be married and someday I'll have kids, but that whole connection in between there of where those kids came from, and that was just cloudy. Like, I just skipped over that part. It, it wasn't important or whatever, but I, it just was never in the picture. So I just knew that, you know, married with kid, kids, whatever, you know, that was in the picture for me. Um, but um, I just never had that part figured out or planned. Um, I never also, and this might be odd, um, but... I've never had the desire to be pregnant. I know some people are just like, oh, I can't wait to have kids, and I couldn't wait to have kids, but I, I didn't have that desire to be pregnant. Yeah, the pain, the, th the cravings, and I just wasn't, yeah. So, um, so that wasn't in there, and, um, but I knew that I wanted kids. So after we had gotten married, and um, when the time was right, I think it was probably six years later after we were married, is that right? I was Numbers, say two. years. No. 
I don't know. <laughs> um, but we went, we started like, okay, we're, we're ready to have kids. And even like when we were married, or when we were dating, he had told me, I think it was one of those nights where, okay, I'm going to tell her something really important and this is like a make it or break it deal and um, I'm not able to have kids. And I'm like, yeah, that's okay, we can adopt, you know? But it was, it was one of those things to me that, that it wasn't even a second thought. Like, that's another way to have a family. It works out, it's all good. Um, so we kind of knew that going in, which it, it, I think made it easier for us because I know there's other couples that are just working and working and working and you know, you just keep thinking, okay, God, is it time yet? Because, you know, we're, we're working here, we're trying, we're doing everything under the sun to try to have kids, and we can't. Um, so, but we went through the, the process of um, going through the paperwork. When you adopt, it's not like some couples that just kind of look at each other and they just get pregnant. When you adopt, there's a whole process. There is paperwork, there's background checks. You have to get fingerprinted. You have to have background, you know, you have to have all that done. You learn all kinds of new words like apostilles and and dossiers and all these fun things and it makes you sound like you're really you know french or something but um but you go through all of those processes and um and we we had to deal with immigration and we had to deal with all these things we we took courses in marion at children's services um was there six or nine weeks worth maybe maybe more I was I'm just not going to refer to him at yeah. all. Um, but we went like every Saturday and we would sit in this class for several hours and we would do the paperwork and, and it tells you what to expect if you're going to foster children and what to expect if you're going to adopt and if you're going to foster to adopt. And so we learned that whole scenario. Um, and then it came time to choose, you know, okay, what is our path? What are we going to do with this? And so um, we, we kind of felt that fostering is an awesome thing to do, but we didn't know if we had that in us to be able to love on a child so much and then knowing that they would go back into that situation that they came from is really, really hard. Um, so kudos to those of you that can do that because we just, we, we couldn't do that. Um, we did feel God calling us to adopt a, an infant at least the first time around and then if we end up with another child somewhere along the way, you know, I've had my baby phase, I'm good. Um, so we kind of went that route. Um, but yeah, we went through all of that stuff. Once we got through with the paperwork side of things, um, we did decide that eventually, for whatever reason, international adoption was the route that we were gonna go. And um, so I started kind of, I, I did, I'm, I'm one of those anal retentive people that when I go to do something, I wanna do it right. And so I do all kinds of research. If I'm gonna buy a $50 something or other, I'll go out and research and read the reviews and make sure it's good. And, it drives him nuts because he's like, no, let's just do it, just get it. And um, so I had gone online and I started reading all of these blogs of people that were traveling and people that were, you know, different places where they'd come from. And I was trying to figure out, you know, where do you even start with adoption agencies and all of that stuff? Like, how do you get that information? Well, thank God the internet was available. Um, and so we did a lot of research and things like that. And I came across, um, it was kind of a decision between Kazakhstan, which I'd never heard of before, and China. Well, Kazakhstan, when most of us were in school, Kazakhstan was part of the Soviet Union. And now it has split out on its own independent country. And it is um, south of Russia and west of China. It kind of is in that little pocket there. So that's where Kazakhstan is. Um, who's the, I don't know, I was trying to remember the big old Genghis Khan is from that area, like Mongolia and all that. That's kind of that area. So anyway, um, we kind of, landed on a region and from there did all of the paperwork, worked with coordinators and did all that stuff. And it took from the time that we signed on with the agency until the time that we were pretty much ready to start getting a referral, which means a child picture information, it took about a year and a half for us. So it was a long pregnancy period for us. It was very long. Um, so it, it did, it took about a year and a half. So if you wanna go ahead and throw up that first picture of Emily. Um, and like Tom said, he talked about a connection in there. And with Emily, we actually had a couple of referrals that came in before Emily. And for some reason, the two of us had always just kind of in our minds pictured that we knew Emily was the name we were going to give our daughter, but we didn't know what she looked like. And we had always just kind of assumed there was a little Asian child out there for us. Kazakhstan's about 50-50, Asian, Caucasian. Um, and the first couple of referrals that we had gotten, for some reason, they, they were Asian little girls. And for some reason, when we were trying to take time to pray about the decision and different things, um, I'd get a call back, hey, sorry, someone's already spoken for that child. 
And so that's a heartbreak there too, because then you go through, okay, that, was that my child? Was that not my child? And you almost mourn what could have been, but you don't know type thing. Um, and then after about two or three instances where that had happened, because there's basically um, in Kazakhstan a child's picture, she was roughly six months old in this picture, um, when they turn six months old, they're allowed to be put on the adoption registry to be posted for families to adopt. And some agencies can protect those pictures and only post them to a family at a time or two families. And in other places, it's, that child is up for grabs for whoever can snatch that child up first. So we don't really know the situation with Emily. But after several referrals, this thing came shooting through in my email. I did not pick up her outfit that day. I just want you to know. She has on a onesie underneath that as well as a whole nother like leotard and thing under that. She has a sleeper on that's like the flannelly thing. And then on top of that, she has the little blue, whatever you call that thing. So pretty close to still how she dresses. <laughs> she has decided, yeah, pretty much. That's how yeah. she dresses herself, yeah. So, um, but that's, that's really the picture that once we saw that, and I just, I remember telling Tom, I, I got an email. I don't know what it is, but this feels, this does feel like the right one. Uh, the other ones, I remember hesitating. Okay, God, if this is the right one, I really need you to show me. And, and I'm like, there's something here. This is, this is her. This is who God has put in our lives. She's not Asian, <laughs> she's, you know, and, but she is perfectly suited for our family. Um, if you look at her now, it is amazing to me. She has a cousin that's a couple years older than her, and they look like they could be sisters. So to travel literally to the other side of the world from where we're at, come home, and they act like sisters. <laughs> I mean, she and, she and her cousin act like sisters. So there was an immediate connection there. Um, and then after that stage of getting the picture, we did get a medical reference on her. Um, so we knew a little bit about the history. There was a hesitation there only because in the Russian-Soviet type mentality of medical stuff, they put every diagnosis under the sun on her paperwork because birth is a traumatic experience and if you live it's a miracle <laughs> and so she had all of these things that i had never heard of before and we talked with a professional out in washington state and he's like i see this on a lot of referrals um he said there's a slightly higher than normal risk for health issues was all they said like okay we're good so um so after we had all of that done, um, it took a little over a month um, because once you accept a referral, then you go through the whole process of lining up flights and getting an invitation to actually travel to the country. You have to be hosted by an agency or somebody to be invited into Kazakhstan. So that took more waiting, more waiting, more waiting. So once we finally got that, um, we were hooked up on a flight to Kazakhstan uh, at the beginning of January of 2007. And after that, our lives would never be the same. So if you would show us the next picture, sir. This is the courthouse in Kazakhstan. Um, we had visits every day, twice a day for an hour, I think. Hour each one. Hour each time. Um, so we would go in the morning and they would feed her before they brought her to us. And we would go in the afternoon and they would feed her before they brought her to us. So we had kind of this thing, because Emily would eat more than I eat, like sh the big cereal bowls. They would fill that with like a cream of wheat sort of kind of thing. So here's this child with this belly that is stuffed full, and here's your kid. And she spewed every single time. And it wasn't just dribbling, it was spewing. So yeah, we fell in love. <laughs> um, yeah, it got to be the point, I mean, it was comical. We would start keeping score. And the, the translator would bring her into us, and sometimes she, there was one day she was getting ready to go to a birthday party and was all dressed up real nice, and she came in with this look of, <laughs> look what happened, she, she got hurled on. So, um, but this is on January 29th, um, which is a very special day for our family. Uh, this was right after we had uh, had court, um, and it was, um, it, the thing to me is during court, and I'll just kind of venture off for a second. During court, we had a judge, and I'm assuming kind of a prosecutor type of guy that was in there, and it's very formal setting. You kind of sit, and we had the translator in between us, and so like you couldn't even encourage each other by holding hands or you know being there. And there's this judge in front of us that's very stoic and very firm and very Soviet-esque. And there's a lady sitting beside him that's, I'm guessing, the court reporter type person, and she's writing notes the whole time. And 
And every now and then you'd see her like doodling in the margins and you're like, this is life changing here, lady, don't you get this? And she's doodling away. But the judge, they had prepared us for about a dozen questions that the judge would ask us and verbatim, it was pretty much what he asked us. And um, at one point there was a, a part in the, I don't think you call it a ceremony, but whatever it was, there was, there was a point in there where he was able to kind of speak freely about what he thought. And it still takes me, I still just, it takes me back because their culture is so, so different. He, he at one point was talking to Tom and, and he had asked, you know, do you have any other children at home? And Tom said, yes, I have a son and he's 15 and it's gone on. And, and, but I think in our paperwork, I, I don't know, there was a, I don't know that there was a discrepancy or something, but we had explained to him that Ryan was not Tom's biological son, but through a previous marriage and, and it truly, you know, through essentially an adoption that he's, he's, I mean, there was no bones about it. He is my son. And I just remember the judge was, was literally like flabbergasted. He just had this, this look. And I remember him asking Tom, how can you love someone else's child? How can you take him into your home and treat him as your own? He is not your, he's not your child. And, and to us, that was just such a foreign concept. I had to him, he is my child. We did, yeah. we I did. Just, you couldn't get his mind around, but that was my job. Right, and it was just, it was such a weird experience to me because even with Emily, we had been visiting for two, three weeks and I already felt like she was my daughter. It felt weird calling her Emily because they kept calling her baby Nadezhda or baby Nadja, they would bring her in and, and it was one of those things like it, it didn't feel real to me and I was afraid to get attached and so after that date, I started calling her Emily or Nadja Emily or Emily Nadja or something to kind of transition into that. But um, yeah, there was no bones about it. Ryan is his son. And there is so, I, I have just been, the amount of love that they have between each other and it's just incredible to see a guy show that much love for someone. Um, so anyway, back to this, January 29th was our court date, the day that we got custody of Emily. We call that our gotcha day. And conveniently happened to be Ryan's 15th birthday also. So January 29th in our family is just, it's an incredible day. It's, to me, it's better than Christmas and, you know, all the other stuff. That's our family day. That's well, it's, a, it's a God thing, too, because mm -hmm. by the normal timeline, it, we shouldn't have been at this point yet. Mm -hmm. Like, God shaved two weeks off and ended up being on Ryan's birthday. Mm -hmm. so, so that was pretty incredible. Um, and then if you would go ahead and go to the next picture. All right. This is little Miss Emily. She was eight months old. And... Um, she, she's eight months old in this picture and she weighs 14 pounds. So I don't know if you know like baby sizes, but some people have 14 pound babies, <laughs> okay? I wouldn't want to. <laughs> but she was a teeny tiny, tiny little thing. Um, she was also extremely sick. When we brought her home, she was fighting like you could touch her head and just sizzle. I mean, she was a high, high fever. Um, they, they rushed our adoption through because she was so sick. Um, they wanted her out of the baby house because there were respiratory infections going around. Uh, she had been born 10 weeks premature, so on top of that, she had, was very susceptible to respiratory issues and all kinds of stuff. So they said, you know, get her home, take care of her at home. Um, and she was just lethargic. I mean, she, was, she would just lay in my hands and, I, and she was fussy. And they made us put that many clothes on her because they're afraid of drafts, not giraffes, but drafts. Um, so they were just, you know, so here's this kid burning up with a fever and we've got like 14 layers on her in the car and everything. So once we got her, you know, we could kind of unwrap her a little bit. Um, but she was just so sick. Um, and I, I will tell you, even now, through surgeries and everything else, I have never been so scared as I was the day that we took her. Like when that picture was taken, I'm like, I have this teeny tiny baby. She's burning up with fever. She's lethargic. We'll say she had some gastrointestinal disturbances, <laughs> if you know what I mean, <laughs> explosions. <laughs> um, she was having all kinds of issues. And I'm in a foreign country. I can't understand what people are telling me. I can't read the medicines that they're giving me. Um, they were giving us a lot. Of they medicine. were giving us, I had prescriptions, which just meant they wrote a name down and you could go to any store and pick it up. It, if you knew the name of the medicine, you could go get it which scared me even more because some of the stuff they gave me could have been Pedialyte, some of it could have been high octane stuff that she shouldn't have had. Um, and I, I really was afraid. I, I was changing diapers left and right. I had babysat kids from the time I was little. Our family had so many kids in our family. Um, 
and I had never seen a child that was that sick. And so here I am with this kid. Um, it was one of those I really want to call home and talk to mom moments. Um, and thankfully, someone, a guy friend of Tom's, says, just remember Brat. I'm like, okay. He had sent something in on my blog. And it was um, rice, I forget what the B was. Bread? Bananas. bananas. It was bananas. Rice, applesauce, and toast. And, that, and they're like, if you can get any of that into her, and I'm like, okay, I'll try it, because this stuff that I have, I don't know what it is. But I, I truly didn't know. Like, I had to trust on our translator who had just turned 2021, so she was just a young thing. Um, I had to trust her to be able to read the medicine, what it was, what it was for, what the dose was for my child. I'm a control freak. I can't do that. <laughs> so I started just, I thought, you know what? She's got a fever. She's sick. We can pray this through and we can get through it. And I'm not going to give her all these medicines. So I gave her the one that kind of sort of looked like Pedialyte. I gave her that one or two dose. The doctor from the baby house actually made house calls and she came out to the, to the apartment and checked on her. Um, so we made it through, but even when it was time to leave Uralsk and go to the next, she was still, and we double diapered. <laughs> she was still not so hot. But um, so anyway, that was, that was us bringing Emily home. Um, so from that time, from the time that we decided to adopt, to picking the agent, to going through all of that stuff, to bringing her home, it had literally been about two years. And those two years were the most stressful, painful, um, years that I still to this date I think have ever encountered. Um, a lot of it was just because of the, the showers and the things that you go to. And I, I remember the one Thanksgiving that I went to with family and everyone was asking, so, so how's everything coming along? How's stuff going? It's, it's good, it's, you know, it's whatever. And, and you do, you, you want to love your family and respond and stuff. And then afterwards you're just like, that was just exhausting. <laughs> you know, and, and the one time I just remember my, I don't deal with anxiety and stuff real well. My stomach was just in knots and I'm like, I'll just be using your bathroom. I'll just check the plumbing, <laughs> you know, so, but it was just, it was a really rough couple of years, um, but I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it at all. And um, through it all, I will say that um, I have never been closer to God than I was during those painful times and during those, that situation. And God was there um, through our trip. We had everything that we needed when we needed it. We were able to bring Emily home faster than we ever expected to. Um, and it was just a phenomenal, phenomenal experience. So if you would throw the next one up there. This is Emily just recently. Um, Emily is going to be seven years old this week. So it's spent a little bit of time. She loves to dance. She's a little cheerleader at heart. She likes to play soccer. She does all of those kind of things like, so not me, I'm not a dancer or a cheerleader. <laughs> I can kick a ball, but I don't, so yeah, I'm not a soccer player. Um, but she also has this heart of gold. She is just, she, she's so filled with compassion. Um, she loves the ladies at Tom's Nursing Homes. She'll go and visit and she'll ask about them and different things. Um, and she just, she kind of cheers for the underdog a lot. Um, she loves to read, write, draw pictures, and her brother Ryan is truly her hero. She, she and Ryan have connected from day one and just been in love, so... I'm do that. Let's go a couple of slides and we give a good picture of Ryan and Emily together. Oh, <laughs> this is what happens when Ryan sleeps and Emily doesn't want to wait to wake back up. Let's do it. Yeah, we'll do the next one. Yeah, okay. That's a little bit about how our story went. And I know this is a different Sunday. We normally, if you're visiting, we don't usually just talk about us for half an hour. Um, but that's how God's building our family. And I still don't know where he's going, where he's not, but he, he's building all of our lives in many different ways. And what my hope is, is we use this as a metaphor to how God sees us. The way we're talking about our kids is the way that God talks about us. The way that we feel about kids is how God, if they, those who adopted came up, it would be a different story, and that's us. But in this metaphor, we're talking about from God's vantage point. My hope is, as we get into the scripture, so go ahead and get your Bibles out. Romans 8 is where we're headed. And we start talking about some of the truths of how God sees you as his child that maybe we'll see that from a little bit of a different perspective today, a little bit of a different picture. So we're going to Romans 8. Uh, again, as always, you have your Bibles, you have your U-Version is up and running if you're using U-Version. Uh, and then there's Bibles in the back uh, that you can borrow, keep or still as we dig into this a little bit more. So everybody there, everybody getting there, Romans 8. Very cool. Okay, so as Paul's talking to the church in Rome about what uh, it looks like to live in the Holy Spirit, and from the Holy, the, the Holy Spirit living, what that looks like. 
he gets into this section where in verse 14 he says this. He says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And yes, I did change that from sons to children. Kind of getting us into our, our culture today. But for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as children, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself draws witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, uh, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And as I look at this particular scripture, there's four truths that stand out as far as how God sees us, how he relates to us, our relationship with God, from the spirit of, of being adopted into God's family. Again, I believe that we, you know, the original time, God created us as a family. I mean, he, he had that, but then once sin entered into that, we fell away. You could almost say, well, is he kind of re-adopting sin? Well, no, all of us are sitting here today, we've been born into sin. We were born separated from God. But it is his desire to adopt us back into the family, or to adopt it into his family, through Jesus Christ. And so we'll talk about that a little bit today as well. But the first thing I want to talk about, Jenny and I will take turns on these, is as you look at the scripture, if you get there into verse 14, it talks about being led by the Spirit of God, or having that guidance, having led. And I, I think that's one of the things that we benefit as children of God, is that we get guidance in our life. So if you take a note, that's your very first thing, is that we're led by God, or led by the Spirit. And I know when I was growing up... Um, my, my parents, are, are, again, are just are huge to me, just like uh, my, my kids are. But uh, Dad was a great example of what kind of integrity and working hard and providing family looked like. And Mom was a great example of kind of like life application. And they both, and, and, and love and how those things came through. And we kind of go to her some kind of the day to day. And then as my adult years came in, they shifted even more and more deeper and met even more to me as life goes on. And they, like any other person like myself, want to hand out, not just to their kids, but any of us working with youth group, or us working with mentors, or us aunts and uncles, want to pass on the things that we've learned by messing up, so that they don't. I mean, that's our general guideline. And, and like every kid, I still made mistakes. Now, I still had to learn some things the hard way. There was things I avoided because of my parents, and some things I did anyway. So, and so I remember there was one time that... Um, when I was, I don't know, I was probably about 19, and when I was uh, 18, you were able to drink at 18 and over. Now it's 21 and over. And I never drank that much because I liked the taste of beer way too much. So I never drank that much, but I could go to clubs. And I like going to clubs, and I like dancing, I like hanging out with my friends. Now, my mom, who's also in the room, I won't make you stand, but she's back there, by that guy that does, no, I'm just kidding. Okay, but she was raised in a household with, uh, where alcohol was a factor and has a very strong uh, funk against anything drinking. So don't bring up the mom that you're going to the clubs, right? So I, was, I remember talking to a friend of mine on the phone one time and was saying, you know, hey, I'll tell you what, this Friday night, let's go to Gold Rush. That was the name of it. It was the 80s. Uh, and I'll just tell mom, come over to your house. You tell your mom, come over to my house, and we'll just, you know, and then I'll just crash at your place so she wasn't find out. So I hang up the phone call. Everything's great. The plan's perfect. And I walk outside, and it, here's the one thing I know. When my mom's really disappointed because I made a big mistake. I feel it. I don't know how to describe it. It's not a look. It's not something she says. It's, I remember it happened like four or five times, but I just feel it. And I walk out, and it's just like, oh, crap, what happened? <laughs> and sure enough, she heard the phone call, and I, I crushed her heart over it. And I remember that even though I didn't go that weekend, I still went other times. And I remember that I took and got into some tough situations that I could have avoided if I had followed her example and her advice. And we all go through that. Thankfully, my son's made less mistakes than I have, but he's made his share of mistakes. And all of us do. But whenever we lean into that leading of a parent that loves us, it just goes smoother. You know what I mean? When you have a true parent that's been there before, it goes smoother. And in the same way, we have a God who didn't just sit there at a distance, but we had a God who came to this planet that walked this life for 33 years, went amongst everything that he created and everything that sin brought into it, and lived it and sacrificed all of it so that he knew could lead us well. And as we lead into him more and more, then we're able to take and avoid a lot of that junk that's in the world. And if I was just in the world, I'm an orphan. If I'm just in the world, I'm an orphan. But when I come into the adoptive family of God, then he leads me. And if I follow... If I follow, then I fall more perfectly to his will and find his will for my life. That's the first thing that stood out to me. 
Um, verse 15 talks about acceptance. Um, and to me, that was more like, um, yeah, it's a two-way street. We wanted um, our kids, they wanted us, and God wants us so badly. He wants us to pull to him. Um, we made a conscious decision to be a family, um, and we wanted to be an active part in their lives and develop that close relationship with them. It wasn't just a, hey, I'll see you on Saturday, you know, and just hang out. It was, you know, finding, okay, what are you doing this week? Call me if you need anything. I want to touch base with you. When are your programs at school? When are your conferences? Um, for living as far away as what Tom did, he tried everything he could to be involved with everything in Ryan's life between soccer games and all of that. And that's, God wants to be a part of that. We have the ability to say, you know, stay out of my life. Or we have to say, I want you to be an active part. I can invite you into my life every single day and into to every aspect of it. Um, we also have the uh, ability and want to be able to love on our kids and spoil them. He's very good at that part. Um, <laughs> but, um, and that's the way God is. He wants to love on us. He has so many things for us if we would just let him. And, and that's the thing. We just need to be able to op be open to that, okay? Um, our kids, our family members, our spouses, our friends, all of those people that are connected to you and in a relationship, they're all unpredictable. You don't know from one minute to the next what's going to happen or, or how they're going to react to something or anything like that. God is solid. God is there. He's, if you read that Bible, it tells you all about God and all about his characteristics and his traits. And he's not going to lie to you. He's not going to walk out on you. He is solid and he's there and he's very, very predictable. Um, he knows everything about us. Every choice that we're going to make before we make it, we might be the biggest disappointment ever. And God says, you know what? I don't care. I love you. I want you to be with me. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday, what you did 10 minutes ago. I want to be with you. Um, he wants the very best for us. Um, and the thing that I, I was seeing through this is God didn't just, and I say just, but God didn't go through classes on adoption, and he didn't go through all this paperwork and the fingerprinting and all this junk that we did. He made the ultimate sacrifice. He gave his son and, you know, and, and sacrificed him that he loves you so much. It wasn't just paperwork and sitting around waiting for someone to approve some process in the next step. He gave his son for you. He loves you that much. Um, the next part that's listed in there, it refers to God as Abba, and we use that a lot in here. Daddy is what that means. Um, and that is such a, a loving phrase to me. It's not a formal title. It's not father. It's not sir. It's not, it's daddy. And when you think of that, um, you know, I, I know a lot of you might have not have had the best relationship with your dad. You may not have ever known your dad. You may not, you know, whatever the situation, it, God is there for you, your daddy, okay? If you picture a little kid that's, Emily has done this so many times, it's not even funny, running from this door to our car. She trips herself up probably every other Sunday, comes in with scratched up knees, her hands are all messed up, and she's crying, and who does she want? She goes to daddy. She goes crying to daddy through her muffled tears and everything, and she wants daddy because she knows daddy is going to put so much love into her and hug her and kiss her and make it okay, and that's what God is there for, okay? So if you're having those situations, God is, God is there, um, and he, he is waiting for you to come running to him. Um, and the, the other note that I had in there also was, you know, whatever your relationship was with your dad, um, you know, in the adoption world, we have things called attachment disorders, and we have um, situations where if a child is left in an institution for X number of days, years, months, there's a formula that they use that talks about what that development level, how stunted their growth might be for how long they've been in there, and it takes them a while to catch up, okay? So whatever those are, and and we are all dysfunctional people. Sorry, as lovely as we are, we're dysfunctional. We have those same kind of trust issues, um, independence. Sometimes I, I've done this. I can do it on my own. I can do it by myself. I don't need any help. And that's exactly what God is there for. And, and he's in there in all of that, um, whether you have those issues or not, or whether you want to admit to it or not. Um, but he's there, and he is, again, he is waiting for you to run to him and run to your daddy, and, and um, just, he wants to love on you. Um, and I think that's it. Here. Segways, we're still working on segways. Uh, 
the third one, if you, again, you if you're taking it. notes and you're writing this down, uh, verse 16, you talk, it talks about the Spirit bearing witness. And to me, this is an assurance. That the Spirit is our assurance that we are in relationship with God, that we are His adopted, we're His daughters, we're His, his sons, that we are completely and totally uh, in, in His hands. You know, uh, I talked about, like, when we, we did Ryan's, I've got that piece of paper. When we did Emily, we got this piece of paper. But if you talk to anybody, and Jamie was just talking about this a little bit ago, when we talk about adoption, these are not the things we refer to when we talk about our kids. It talks about heart, and it talks about love, and it talks about faith. And that's the way God looks at you. Whatever you're going through, whatever challenge you're going through, whatever thing that you wish was different, God's taking a look at you with full love, full assurance that His Holy Spirit is in you and around you. And that's something that we can hold to as far as adoption as well. And you have the fourth one? Um, the last one that I had there, I think, was inheritance. Um, and this one I just really started diving into, and it's, it's actually pretty cool if you look at it. Um, verse 17 talks about inheritance, and uh, not long ago, Tom and I sat down with our attorney and uh, made sure that we had everything, you know, in order. If something would ever happen to one or both of us, we wanted to make sure that our kids were taken care of. Um, and a lot of times the word inheritance brings to mind stuff, like who's going to get what when we're gone, or money, who's going to get what. And uh, you might have even had family disputes over that. Someone passes away, and well, I want grandma's china, and no, I'm going to have this, you know, whatever, and you kind of go back and forth over that. Um, putting a will together for us was about so much more than just stuff or money. Um, we talked about those things, and we talked about, you know, who would get custody because we didn't want the court just taking Emily into custody and then just fishing her out wherever. Um, so we definitely talked about all of that, um, who would take care of them. But in verse 17, it talks about so much more than just stuff. In the inheritance, when God's talking about stuff, he's not talking, when he talks about inheritance and being heirs, if you look at that, it talks about um, we're, we're being called heirs of God or fellow heirs of Christ. Fellow means you're side by side. You're right there. You are co-heirs. So everything that God has in store for Jesus, God has in store for us. That's kind of a matched up. And I cannot imagine a better eternity than hanging out with Jesus side by side and, and you know, having that inheritance. Um, from a recent devotional that I was reading, um, I'll just kind of read just so I, you get a better handle on it, but as, you were, as, as long as you are born again, you are a son of the Most High God, and God does not just call you his son. In Galatians, he also calls you an heir through Christ, and in Romans 8.17 says that you are joint heirs with Christ. As a joint heir with Christ Jesus, you inherit everything that he is. How precious Jesus is to the Father is how precious you are to the Father. The way the Father loves Jesus is the way the Father loves you. How accepted are you by God today? Look at Jesus. That is how accepted you are. Christ is the measure of your acceptance. How favored are you by God? Look at Jesus, who is seated at the Father's right hand. You enjoy that same favor today because whatever Christ enjoys, you enjoy. As a joint heir with Christ Jesus, you also inherit all that he has obtained from the Father. How much Jesus has is how much you have. How prosperous is the one who made all things and who put the gold and silver and diamonds in the earth? So are you in this world. My friend, all that Jesus is in heaven today, you are in this world. All that belongs to him belongs to you, and that is why it is in your interest to know him more, to see him in all his glory and beauty, and because Jesus is so rich and glorious, it will take you a lifetime to discover everything that he has done for you and everything that he has for you. Beloved, you are an heir of the most high God. Put that in your head. You are an heir of the most high God. You are a joint heir with Christ Jesus, so find out all the blessing that your rich inheritance includes and start walking in them today. So if you bring all this together, okay, and if this is the only thing you really focus in on today, this is where focus in. You... Because as much as all our testimony means to us, it means nothing to you, that's fine. If everything we just talked about are just nice little points, that's great. But if you walk in here, and you're going through struggles in your life right now, if you've got some kind of challenge going on, maybe you haven't felt as connected to God as you have for a long time, maybe there's some other mistakes that you made that you're dealing with some ripple effects, maybe you've got big events coming up that are overwhelming your time, maybe there's other challenges that you're going through. This is the moment to plug into what we're talking about when it comes to that the almighty, loving God sees you as their, his daughter, as his son. If you continue in this scripture, go down to verse 31, will you? 
And I'm going to jump a little bit, so I'm not going to have all the, the right posters for you, because I was trying, because of my eyesight, trying to see if I could get something creative here. But looking for someone who says, what then shall we say to these things? This is why I actually talked about God adopting us. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Whom shall bring, whom shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is still at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. Out of everything you've heard us say so far about our family and what God's put together from adoption, can you imagine anything that my son could possibly do that would keep me from running to him and being there for him? Can you imagine anything our daughter could ever do that would separate her from our family? It's impossible. It's done. If there's anything else going on in my life, no matter what goals I have, no matter what things I'm trying to do with my week, no matter how overwhelmed I am with church stuff and nursing home stuff, if my son called, can you imagine me doing anything else but telling all the rest of you all, I'll see you tomorrow, or me being on the road to get down to Columbus? Can you imagine that? It's impossible. I would never do that to my child, and God would never do that to you. So no matter what you're going through today, can you rest in that assurance that we're talking about? Can you get excited and find hope in that inheritance that is there? And as we come into a day like this, that again, it's jubilant for some of us and overwhelming for others of us. Whether or not you're in a place where you've got five kids or you're going through a season like Jenny and I did of infertility. Or whether you've taken go going through a situation where you're like, hey, all this God stuff sounds good, but you don't understand the guilt that I'm still carrying from the abortion I had ten years ago. Whatever the case may be, whatever the case may be, you don't understand that I have kids and that they can't be in my possession anymore. You don't understand that I had kids and they made mistakes and now they're in the jail system so I can't see them anymore. You don't understand what the distance does to me because they live so far away. There's all these things that could be on our hearts today. And the reason why we celebrate with caution as well. But when you put it all together and say, our daddy loves us so much that he did everything to adopt us. Go down a little bit further. And I'm not going to have the reference. It's only a couple of verses down. But it talks about all these things that could be a block from that joy that we have in the family of Jesus Christ. But it says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. No matter what challenge is there, no matter what thing is trying to rob us from the four things that Paul promised us, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, no angels, no rulers, no things present, no things to come, no powers, no height, no depth, no anything else in all creation. In other words, whatever's bugging you today, whatever's overwhelming you today, whatever distance you're feeling today, put it in that category. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors, and nothing will separate us from the love of God, who is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's promised to you and me. That's promised to you and me. And He lives it, and He exhibits it, and He wants us to take it. And that's really the only stumbling block that we could possibly imagine is whether or not we will take it because he's offering it. It's there, it's promised. You know, I can tell you about the word and, and everything else. But I can hold this up just like this and say, here's what the, the papers say. But it's more than that. It's that passion, it's that love, it's that heart. Nothing can separate us from God. And the only one that can stop you from doing it is you. You know, I talked to you about when, when Ryan and I had this mo moment with the, the, the legal adoption end of things. And the judge is saying to me, will you accept responsibility of this, of this young man as your son? Well, yeah, he is my son. We love him as your son. He is my son. Of course I'm going to love him like my son. It's a done deal. It's all right there. But it all came down to the moment we're sitting in the lawyer's office and the lawyer says to Ryan, do you want this? And him saying yes. If he said no, no matter what I had, no matter what I wanted to give him, no matter everything I was ready to unleash for him, it would have been a stopper right there if he said no. Thank God my son said yes. And I love him for that. And your daddy loves it when you say yes too. Because really it just comes down to whether or not you will. Did you have... Make me tear up now. <laughs> God has already taken that responsibility for you. So no matter what you've done, no matter what's going on, God has accepted it, he's paid the price, and you do. It's up for you. It's there, it's ready, and you just need to accept it, okay? Um, but the, the, the kicker in that is God gave you a choice. You can say, no, I got this covered. I'm on my own, I'm good. But you can accept that. It's so freely given to you. All you have to do is say, 
yes, that's all you need. Um, and you get accepted into that new family. Um, the awesome part is when you come into God's family, <clears throat> you not only get the, the extreme blessing of being his son, you also get the community, you get the unity, you get a whole family that is built and ready to go to support you, to be there for you. Um, it's one of the things I love about this church is just the love that is there for, for anyone and everyone. If you've got a problem, throw it out there, mention it, and this family will love on you, okay? And it's just an extension of what God has for us. Um, he loves us so much for that. Again, he didn't do all the paperwork and all the adoption stuff and all of that junk, but he gave the ultimate sacrifice. Um, so Jesus had been hanging out in heaven, you know, hanging out with God. And when the time was right, God sent Jesus down. Um, and the other part that just blows me away is God didn't have 20 kids. It's not like he had an extra kid to spare, okay? He sent his one and only son. The thing that meant the very most to him, he sent down to this messy, nasty, disgusting earth and sent Jesus down here as a baby. In the, in the most naive, simple, helpless form, Jesus came down to be with us. He grew, he was a toddler, he was fumbling around, he helped his, his adoptive dad, if you think about that, Joseph was an adoptive father, okay? He hung out with his adoptive dad in the carpenter shop, learned the trade, just like you and I, okay? He taught, he had this extra special little ability that God had given him, but he was able to heal people, he was able to do all sorts of things there, um, and he just, he loved us. While he was on earth, even though we hadn't been born yet, he already loved us. And he loved us so much that he was willing to sacrifice his life. If you remember in the Bible, it talks about him um, sweating drops of blood. He knew what he was in for. It's not like he just said, yeah, I'll just do that. He didn't take it lightly. He knew what he was up against. Um, and he, he sacrificed his life. And, and the reason he did that was because of all of our sin. All of our nasty, disgusting, ugly sin for being on this earth and what we're born with. Christ sacrificed himself for that. Um, he was hung on a cross, he was abused, he was, he was crucified, he was tortured, he went through all of that for you. And again, that gift of salvation, that gift of God's love, that gift of being in his family, that gift of inheritance, it's all right there. And you just simply have that choice of whether you want to accept that or not. Um, you know, it's, it's not, when we talk about adoption, the thing that was a separating, um, Ryan and Tom had a, a fortunate situation that can't always be the case with with families with a father-son situation like that Emily was in an institution she was in a concrete building with cribs her her bedroom had probably 20 cribs set up and they were all stocked with kids laying in there okay that institution all of that paperwork all of that mess and red tape separated us from our daughter okay in similar situation our sins are what separate us from God and it, when Jesus died, he was what made that bridge back to God and gave us that relationship back with him and gave us a chance to join God's family. So at this point, it's just a, it's a decision. It's a choice. God gave us free will. And so we can choose to be active in that um, and to be joint heirs in that kingdom. So again, just have you accepted that offer? Let me do this if you would. Jenny, would you be so kind with the lights? And just if you guys would just bow your heads and close your eyes for a few minutes. Let's just have some, some time to to consider this. If you've not accepted Jesus as leader and forgiving your life, and what I'm talking about is that initial yes, then initial, yeah, this is what I want. I, I, according to scripture, you acknowledge with your mouth that he's the son of God, you believe in your heart, he died and rose again, and you, and you repent. You turn away from the old life and you follow him. If you've not had that, then maybe this is what we're talking about today. Maybe you've been living in this world and you're going, you're going through the different challenges and, maybe, and, you, and you realize things are just not working the way that you, you, you thought they would go, or every, all, every the attempt that you do and all the work that you're doing isn't, isn't working out, and you're tired of doing it yourself. Maybe the Spirit's trying to lead you today, like we were talking about at the beginning of this. Maybe He's just calling you to come home. Maybe He's just talking to you to talk to Him. If that's the case, just talk to Him a little bit. But if you've been on this road with Him for a while, and you've got something that's hurting you, you've got something that's overwhelming you, you've got something that just seems like every Sunday or every home group, you feel so strong, and then you get a couple days into the week, and everything's falling apart again. Can you just imagine for a little bit sitting in the room where your daddy has a PowerPoint presentation going on showing pictures of you We're talking about all the different things that you guys have been through together and talking about all the things that you have done that he is so proud of you of and talking about how he knows that sometimes this life is hard and you will make mistakes and you will learn things the hard way but that he has so much pride in you 
and loves you so much. He just cherishes you so much. Can you just let that sink in about how your God, your daddy would talk about you this morning, no matter what you're going through? And then ask yourself, what can separate me from that? Nothing. What would he possibly say, I don't have time for you right now? There's nothing. What could he possibly say to you? You say, you disappoint me too much, I'm not going to talk to you this week. It's impossible. Your Abba Daddy loves you so much. Can you just rest in that for a minute? As we looked at all the quotes of all the, these incredible women that we started out the message time with, and we look at Mother Teresa saying that we, look, we need to find God and we find Him in the rest and not the craziness, can you just take a moment of rest and find God there? Your daddy loves you so much. Take a few moments and talk to him. We're going to just take a few moments just at this time, and when it's gone, you'll know, because we're going to start the video. But for right now, can you just talk to him? Can you just hear him?